Okay, gentlemen, we are ready to go. We are live. Hello to everyone that is watching us on Rockfin, on Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and on Locals, the Duran.locals.com. Great to have everyone with us. A big hello to our moderators as well. Zarael, Tish M, Valley S. Thank you for that super chat, Valley S. Reckless Abandon. Who else? Peter. Good to have you with us, Peter. And I think those are our moderators. And we have with us the one and only Alexander McCurse. How are you doing, Alexander? I'm very well. I'm very delighted <laughs> to be on this program today. Say, very say hello. say hello, Alexander. And we have with us. I'm saying the... hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. <laughs> we have with with us the brilliant Mr. Tom Longo. Tom, how you doing? I'm very well, guys. It's good to see you. It's been a while since we've chatted. I know you guys are really busy. And before we get started this morning, I really do want to um, uh, say I'm really I'm really pleased for both of you that I know how hard you've worked to build the Duran. To where it is and uh i know where it came from because i was there with you during the dark days and um it's great to see the, the success that you guys are having and it's really and the effect that you're having on the zeitgeist i think is really really important so thank you for you know give me the opportunity to catch up and all that more that like, than anything else i don't really you know, i mean likewise likewise uh for you likewise. as well tom and uh, we are going to talk about uh, tom's uh latest analysis and some of the work that he has been putting out there which is very relevant and very interesting. So, Alexander, I think we're ready to go. Let's uh, let's begin, Alexander and Tom. Absolutely, absolutely. It was it's a brilliant article that Tom has written on his uh, on his own website, which I think we, we need to mention and talk about. And it's been republished. All, all the links, all the links in the description box. All the, the links below. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We we ha we thought it was so important and so good that we've already done a program about it, talking about the ideology of the ideological aspects of this. But of course, we can't just do just to justice to an article like that ourselves. So we're very delighted and very privileged to have Tom himself here explaining this article very well. Uh, and of course, it's about Europe. It is about what is going on in Europe now. And it's not just Europe and the attempt of some people to construct Europe, but it is also about the pressures that this project is coming under, pressures that Tom has been talking about for a long time, ever since the Fed started to raise interest rates in the United States. And part of the agendas that the Fed is pursuing, and we're starting to see the effect of this. And the fact that this is having the, the crushing effect that this is having on the people who are running the EU, the EU project and the financial institutions which underpin the, the EU project and the very, very troubling and sinister and dare I say it straightforwardly illegal moves that they're planning to take in order to uh, um, address these various problems so it's all about euro bonds but that's only you know part of the story i think i think the first thing to do is to go over to you tom and perhaps you can explain sure. the points that you were making that article 
Sure. Uh, thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. The uh, what's really yeah, and it's not like, like the, the law means anything to these people. Only when it 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 it, it matters to them to advance their agenda. Otherwise, right, the, the law is just something and it's an inconvenience. Um, so the goal here is oh, the, the the biggest problem for the EU has been something that Martin Armstrong had to educate me on ten years ago, which is that the euro is a currency of contrivance because they don't have any form of integrated uh, tax and spend authority. They have 20 member central banks issuing euros uh, based on you know, different debt profile, uh, different um, debt um, uh, validity profiles. Like the, you know, you've got you've got people like Greece and Italy and Germany in the same union, and they're issuing debt at different rates and different um, and different risk profiles and all the rest of it. And so the 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 European Union has been able to construct itself as a political union assiduously almost like these people are running microsoft project as a gantt chart like we're going to do this on this date we're going to do this here we need to do that there but the fiscal integration that is necessary to make the political integration that they've achieved stick has to come in the form of giving centralized tax and spend authority to the european commission now, you, alex you and i talked about this years ago during covid when they issued the the sure bonds, well, so that's why I brought it up in the article. I brought it up back in a, an article I wrote back in uh, on Halloween, actually, when Lagarde was out there, ECB President Christine Lagarde was out there screaming that, "Hey, it's time that we create an index for these euro bonds to up their profile so we can get investors to buy into them." Well, yeah, but they were trading at fifty five cents on the dollar at that point. Um, so, uh, and that's when I went into that whole thing and I and I educated myself on where that was. I remember the beginning of the story. Hey, let's get the camel's nose under the tent to start giving the EC, the European Commission, tax and spend authority. But you know, okay, so what's what's the project actually look like? And of course, it looks like the typical um, created market, which is that there is no market for these things. They shook down the member central banks to buy two hundred billion dollars of these sure bonds, and now they're sitting on forty-five and fifty percent losses on them. But they still want to keep going forward, so now they're using the war in Ukraine as the means by which to do the next tranche. And they put it in, the, of course, the mouth of the highly Russophobic and highly, you know, WEF adjacent Kaya Kallis of Estonia to say, we need war bonds to pay for the reindustrialization of Europe and the remilitarization of Europe to fight the boogeyman of Putin. Putin is clearly nothing more than a political thing for the, the Europeans. I do not believe that that's the case for the Anglo sphere, for the British and American neoconservatives who see it, uh, see them in a fundamentally, see the Russians in a fundamentally different light. So there's that tension, right? And that tension exists within NATO. But the goal here, as always, has been, if you think about the overarching plan, has always been to morph NATO and the European Union and the American empire and roll it all up into the UN. It's always been the goal. I'm, I don't think it's a good goal. I don't think it's an achievable goal. But it, that's a, that's the project. Eee, that's the the that's the Gantt chart, right? And all the people who put this thing together are dead now, right? So Jacob Rothschild was one of them, and he died, and he died on Monday, right? And it would, uh, Kissinger's gone, and Brzezinski is gone, and they're all gone, right? So now you just have the flying monkeys running around, the project managers running around doing this thing and trying to shoehorn this into the future, and they can't get it done. Because they're standing back and they're they're being they could do it, or they could have a better chance of doing it. Have they the world been able to stay at zero percent interest rates? 
and they were selling the idea that we had to stay at zero percent interest rates because of climate change so they were selling us on climate change and cars and electric cars and all this stuff and Lagarde's out there saying we need to spend trillions and trillions and the only way we're going to spend trillions on this is of course to stay at the zero bound in order to make this affordable and then there's the fed going yeah that's nice no five and a half percent you get to do this at five and a half percent you don't get to do it at zero percent and of course at five and a half percent the whole project is completely uneconomic and now we're seeing we're starting to see the cracks in this but they're they keep pushing forward because they don't have any other options guys um, what else are they going to do? Admit defeat? These are the Europe. This is the European Union. They don't admit defeat. They just double down. Yeah. And you know, like you know, people that you know, vampires don't cast reflections in the mirror. That's that's who these people are. So that's that. That's the that's the core of the arguments. The core of what I was talking about. And they just they're and we can get into the the other implications on this, which is of course why NATO is so important to them. Because NATO is part of a longer-term plan to push this whole project forward to turn NATO into the global police force for global government. That's their that's their idea, and it's a dumb idea. And I'm not I'm not one. Well, one, I'm never advocating for it, and two, I don't. I'm not even advocating that they can pull it off, because there are too many other forces around the world going. Yeah, we don't want that, and all they really have to do is just sit sit back and say no, and you. But the Fed raise interest rates and every and the Russians keep and OPEC or now BROPEC with Brazil keeps oil prices above $80 a barrel. And, you know, and they're just getting drained of all their collateral and it's just all going to collapse. And that's where I think we're closer to that than we've ever been before. Now, let's let's get uh, thanks for all of that. Now, let's get to this question of, of hero bonds, because it goes directly sure. to what you were saying about the artificial nature of this entire structure. Because mm -hmm. if, you, if you're going to be a borrower and you go to a lender and you ask to borrow money, a responsible lender is going to ask you the very first question, what is your cash income? What is right. the, fl the cash flow that is coming to you? Now, if you are the EU, the answer straightforwardly is you don't have one because you're not drawing directly through taxes from the people that you are governing because right. you're not a state, you've got no consent, you've got none of these things. You are entirely dependent on funding that you are getting from the various states that make up the mm -hmm. EU. So that is the problem, as I see it, that you have. And that's the underlying problem with the whole Eurobond idea. It's also the whole problem with the whole EU structure. Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking about a currency, what makes a currency strong? What makes a currency, in fact, ultimately a proper currency? It is that it is the expression of the economy, the material wealth, the structure of a country produced by the state, which governs that country through the institutions of that state. And of course, again, the EU isn't a state, never has been. So you have a currency which functions in a completely different way from every other currency, because it is not underpinned by a treasury department, a economic policy. There isn't 
a proper, at least no disclosed economic policy, nor can there be. Um, there is none of that. And that, again, points to the artificial nature of the whole structure. Mm -hmm. So am I correct in saying, Dom, that one mm -hmm. of the points you're making essentially is this. You can do all of these things. You can issue euro bonds. You can issue, um, you, you can run single currencies like the euro. But of course, what you can't afford to have is costs. You can't have costs because as you have no secure money flow, you can't, you can't, you can't operate it. You haven't got uh, uh, the structure that right. supports an economy and well, you don't have the cash with which you can pay back your loans. <laughs> what, it, what it comes down to, Alex, is you're, 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 you're right. It's about the risk profile of the bonds that you're issuing. So I'm going to give you a perfect example of, so the EU is trying to turn itself into a government, right? A, a, a pan-European government. It, it needs to have, it needs to be able to sell these bonds to investors. It needs to have the cash flow. It needs to be able to have provable cash flow and provable political will to, uh, to, to tax their people to pay back, to pay the coupons, right? So this has been, this was, ha this was Alexander Hamilton's argument about why the 13 colonies, you know, after the revolutionary war needed a singular debt structure. We needed us treasuries. We didn't need New York bonds and Georgia bonds and Massachusetts bonds, or in, in the case of the United States today, we don't have Mississippi, Iowa, and Alaska issuing uh, treasury bonds. We have, which is what we have in Europe today. We have the, Treasury Department of the United States and the Federal Reserve working together to issue the debt that the market wants. And as long as the central government of the United States has the can prove to the market that it can get the cash flow necessary to pay the bonds, then the bonds are going to go off at are going to be sold and traded at a yield that is reasonable. The EU wants to form wants this to, to come into come into being and they want to prove that to the world which is why by the way for example why were they so insistent on victor orban giving out um giving them their cookie on 50 billion euros worth of ukraine aid it had nothing to do with the 50 billion dollars for ukraine it had everything to do with ensuring that victor orban the, one of the smallest countries in europe could not dictate policy to the rest of the eu they had to come down hard on him. They had to threaten him with basically sanctions that they've already tried to place on Russia. Like literally, they threatened him with that. But it was because they had to prove to the market because they knew they were coming going to come to the market with trillions of dollars worth of euro bonds. And they want to be able to sell those at the lowest rate possible. And that means that you have to have show the most political solidarity in order to get that done. Conversely, let's let's just to put an even finer point on this. If we go through a political breakup here in the United States, which is you know a, a topic, a different topic for a different day as to whether that's possible, but just let's say that it happens, mm. that then we would have like Florida declares independence. I can look at Florida's balance sheet, and I can look at his income statement and his balance sheet and everything else, and I can go, yeah, we could become the Sunshine Republic of Florida and go out tomorrow and sell to the market with no problem, 30-year debt at 3%, 2.5%. The European Union wants to sell it at that rate, and they can't get the rest of the... There's no way. The market wants 7 or 8%, and the European Union can't afford to pay 7 or 8%. And that's the issue here. So what they're trying to do 
is so conversely so outside of the the of the the purview of this problem that they've got now they're trying to manipulate events around them in order to get the rest of the world to follow them back to where they need interest rates to be which is why i firmly believe that we have the biden administration especially Janet yellen working with christine lagarde to cap u.s interest rates in order to try and run the clock out force the united states into a recession to get get powell to pivot and go back to the zero bound in some way, manner, shape, or form to create a crisis big enough that everybody goes back to the zero bound like we did during COVID, and then they can do what they did during COVID, issue a couple hundred billion dollars worth of sure bonds, which are, as I've said at the top of the show, trading in right now at about 40 cents, uh, 40 cents, uh, 40 percent haircuts, about 60 cents on the dollar. So, and when I say trade, I'm, I'm being very generous here. They may, there's usually one trade a week, by the way, on the Frankfurt market for these things. There's no, there's no liquidity in them whatsoever. If they were a real market, they would trade every day, and we get a we get a real bid ask spread on the on the trades, and you know, it just it would look like a normal market. It doesn't. This is clearly a, nothing but a political um, uh, construction, and politically constructed markets are very brittle, and they're in, in, in they're in. Yeah. They're not markets, but, you know, we live in politicized, hyper-politicized markets as well. So it's a very, this is a, a, a weird moment in time. And then you got to ask yourself, okay, well, I know a lot of people believe that like the West is one big monolith. Well, when it comes to like destroying Russia, sure. But when it comes to all the other projects that are going on, though, everybody's got their own pro agenda that they're running and it's a big venn diagram of everybody's incentives and every once and on certain issues the venn diagram crosses and yeah they so we get victoria newland agreeing with Emmanuel macron that we need to send troops into nato but on everything else they don't agree like so uh, and that's the issue and that's then that's where the and yeah. that's where the idea of there's no way that the american banks are going to allow the europeans to issue euro bonds at 0.1 percent or 0.2 percent when the when america is running a, a 34 trillion dollar you know uh debt load and there's no way it's not going to happen i i'd like to get to the us uh, and what, what they're thinking what the fed is doing shortly but let, let's let's focus again on europe because mm -hmm. directly after your article appeared and i said I, I i wonder frankly whether it was partly also provoked by your article an article appeared in the daily telegraph by an actually a rather intelligent writer there on economic matters a man called matthew lynn and he was talking about the fact that the european central banks are in crisis they are all losing money including most worrying of all the bundesbank the bundesbank is in a very very bad position um, mm -hmm. And this is it's the, the deterioration of its position has been incredibly rapid. Apparently, it really started mm -hmm. to go wrong when Mario Draghi said, you know, that he will do whatever it takes in order to maintain to preserve the euro. And they went mm -hmm. off on a massive bond buying enterprise, buying government bonds the Italian government bonds, the Greek government bonds, all those government bonds in Southern yep. Europe. And just to re repeat again your point, each country in Europe issues its own bonds. The, this is the nature of the European structure. So this is what he said. And he made precisely the point that you have made, which is that it was possible to go on doing this 
to get the European Central Bank to create money, to buy bonds, um, up to a certain point at least, whilst interest rates were at zero. But the moment interest rates in the United States started to rise, that has become more and more difficult. And he was talking about the fact that the Bundesbank in Germany might need to be bailed out and that the German government might have to face the prospect of doing that fairly soon. And he was debating what the political effect in Germany of that would be. And he did also make the further point that the European equivalent of QE has been much bigger than what has happened in the United States. So mm -hmm. tell us a bit more about this. Why are the European central banks so short of money? Why is it well, that all the bonds they've been buying uh, are, are putting them in this terrible position? And well, how does at, the rise sure. in the interest rates affect this? Okay, yeah, it's like you're asking for the primitives. I keep going like, like, like all the way to the end because that's this is the way I, I, I my know, brain. I know, I know, but, but you know, I, no, I that's have no, to take that's you no so problem. That I do have to remember to remind myself yeah. to slow down every once in a while. Thank you. So, like, yeah. I need to think of it this way: when a bond is issued, right, it's issued at par, and we call par a hundred. So it's, it's it trades at you know a hundred dollars, right? Um, the quoted price of a hundred. That's at that particular coupon. Right. So let's say it was issued at negative 0.6%, like Draghi was doing on short-term interest rates in the Bundesbank. And Germany in particular was vulnerable to this because they were the ones who were able to issue the most debt, most negative yielding debt originally. So they issue these bonds at, you know, basically they issued them at nearly 0%. Um, interest rates are pushed, you know, market interest rates are pushed negative. And that means that pushes the price of the bond above 100 because you know, it, people are willing to pay, willing to forego. Uh, they they they'll take the 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 they will offset the coupon that they're getting paid with the um with the price rise, and that's part of the bond calculation. So when when bonds rise in price, they fall in yield because they pay a constant yield. So for, let's just like back up and let's talk about a normal bond. You've got a bond that pays a four percent coupon, right? Pays every year, it's going to pay you four percent. Well, that's at par. If the price of the bond rises to 120, that means the that means that the yield you're now paying 120 dollars for 100 dollars worth of bond. That means that the yield you're still getting four percent on 100 dollars. So, but you paid 120, so you got to subtract that 20 dollars out, and then you know, so it's now a 3.2 percent bond or whatever the number is in effective yield. And that's the those are the prices that are quoted every day. Is what the bond is 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 trading at and this is the hardest thing for people to wrap their brains around because bond math is completely opposite of everything else so when bond prices rise that means that yield falls and conversely when yields rise prices fall because now it's the same thing in reverse you had a four percent bond you paid eighty dollars for that hundred dollar bond you're now making five percent on your four on your capital that you invested you invested eighty dollars you're paying you're getting you're, you're getting a four percent coupon on a on eighty dollars that's a you know, do the math, right? That's 5%. So um, that's the problem here. You have all of these um, uh, uh, European sovereign bonds that were issued at the zero bound, 0.1%, 0.2%, German 10 years at 6.6% or, you know, 30 years at 1% or whatever. And now they're all trading much higher than that. So they're all, 
the, everybody who has those in their portfolio, their portfolios, even if they haven't sold them, the value of the portfolio is underwater, right? And so this is affecting the value of commercial real estate, of bond funds, of leveraged loan CDOs, and this and that, and all this stuff that we talk about. It's all predicated on the fact, like, this is the big story that we have here in the United States, that we have all these regional banks that were forced to buy treasuries at the zero bound the, in order to offset their 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 reserve, their, their, their deposits. And now they've got impairments on their balance sheet, but they've got all these deposits, but they don't have the assets on their balance sheet, the bond portfolio to that would match the deposits. And now they have a cap. Now they have a hole in their balance sheet. Um, because again, bank balance sheets are completely opposite of your balance sheets, right? Loans are assets, deposits are liabilities. So again, and, and guys, this took me years to learn. Like this is not easy stuff, right? So understanding that that's the situation. So with the Fed going to five and a half percent and staying there, despite the protestations and the, and the wailing and gnashing of teeth of literally the entire world, they're staying there. And while at the same time, domestically doing all sorts of things that I could spend an hour going into as to how it's offsetting um, the effect on the American banking system, okay? Whereas it's cushioning the blow for American banks, but leaving everybody else to hang. And this is what's known as killing off the Fed put, where the Fed is not going to come in and bail out the world if the world gets into trouble because the Fed went into went to five five and a half percent. And Europe is the most vulnerable to this because Europe went negative. At one point during COVID, there were $14 trillion at its peak of European sovereign debt that was trading at a negative nominal yield. Not the coupon yield, the nominal yield, meaning they were trading at 130, 140%. You know, they're trading 130, 140. And now they're trading at 60. And this is why in with the minute um, Powell started raising interest rates um, rapidly during the summer of 2022, Lagarde came out and went, I'm creating the transmission protection instrument, which is otherwise, I like to call it the toilet paper initiative because it's what it's going to turn the euro into. But it was a program to say, look, we are going to manage the spreads between all of the different sovereign bonds. And everybody at the time said it's, they're trying to manage Italian bonds, which were blowing up versus German bonds. No, 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 no. It's been to manage US bonds versus German bonds and maintain those spreads because of, because of the structure of the market, you use you manage those spreads in order to then, by extension, manage all the spreads, okay? Because the U.S. Treasury market, like the U.S. 10-year and the U.S. 2-year, are the, are the rates that everybody keys their rates off of because we're the reserve currency of the world. And if the reserve currency is saying, nope, higher for longer, y'all need to deal with higher for longer. And so... Now it's you. You put the ECB into a box, and I, I, you know, from the moment this started, I went there and said the Fed's doing this on purpose, and they're trying to break the offshore dollar banking system. I hate to say this, but I've been right about all of this. I don't, I'm not busting my hand, patting mm -hmm. myself on the back. I'm just a, we here. We are two and a half years later. The Fed hasn't two years later. The Fed hasn't pivoted yet, and now the market is finally beginning to realize that the Fed's not going to cut because it doesn't have the ability. It doesn't. It can't cut. We're at full employment and we're at 3% and rising inflation again. There's no way the Fed can cut rates. So everybody is now stuck in amber. 
And what you're seeing, especially today, we're doing this on the final day of February. And as a as a market watcher, as a guy who watches markets technically, I can tell you that what's happening in the markets literally as we're speaking is them what we traders like to call painting the tape. They're banging the close in order to bring the numbers down into the end of February so that the monthly closes look good. So that and then in March, everything's going to snap back in the other direction. And I, I, I see this as, as plain as day. But you know, again, this is 25 years worth of market experience and watching the manipulation of these markets and how they can be and how they're manipulated in order to try and hold everything together. I think the best metaphor for this is that literally it's a little Lagarde is just a little Dutch boy. And there every day another hole springs up, but now she's run out of fingers and she's run out of spackle and she's run out of, you know, and, and the dam is breaking around her. And the Bundesbank is the key because the Bundesbank is what funded through target two and OMT and all these, uh, these, 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 um, alphabet, um, facilities that Draghi created. The Bundesbank is the one who took all that money on is the one that did all the financed all the QE and, and all the rest of it. And so their balance sheet has been the one that's been hollowed out. Now you got to ask the question, and this is where the conspiratorial side comes. Did they do it on purpose in order to collapse the Bundesbank in order to, in order to create the collapse necessary to get the fiscal integration that they so desperately need and turn the keys to Europe over to the European commission and the European central bank. That's been, that's been my thesis for these people for years. And George Soros has told you that's what the plan is. And, you know, others have said the same thing. And Lagarde has effectively said the same thing. They can't really say it all directly. They have to talk around it. And then you can know them by their policy. So that's, I think, the, the, the situation. And then you get Bruno Le Maire come out the other day. The, the French finance minister go, why haven't we stolen the $35 trillion worth of savings from the European people in order to fund climate change? It's like, I'm like literally a project manager reading the Gantt chart going, we were supposed to have done this by now. It's 2024. We were supposed to do this last year. They can't do it because the Fed went to five and a half percent and stayed there. That's the long and the short of it. So, um, well, well, as a matter of as a matter of fact, you anticipated my next question because right. I, um, I, I was wondering whether perhaps all this talk of Eurobonds now, all of these problems with the central bank, the, the German central bank, um, the way in which we keep the war going isn't partly intended to make it easier to sell the idea of setting up tax, direct taxes and creating a treasury department in Brussels and doing all of those things. Because, you know, if you have a sort of big financial crash across Europe as a result of all of this, it's not very easy to sell to the European public. Well, you know, we've got to actually start taxing you even more at a central European Brussels level in order to bail out the euro and, uh, and you know, the... Uh, 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 the whole euro project. I mean, in Germany especially, they would never buy that. But tell them that it's all about Russia and it's all about war, and that uh, you know we we've got to do all of this because the bear is on the move. Well, suddenly it becomes easier, and um, of course, could that be? You know, but I think you've already answered this question. I mean, could that actually be the agenda? You get, oh, yeah. you, you you bring this everything to a point of crisis. You talk up the Russian threat, and then you first of all you go for the euro bonds, and then 
you say, well, we got the euro bonds. We now need to complete the structure. We've got to create the treasury department, the finance, the tax systems, all of those things. And mm -hmm. we've got to do so fast. And of course, we can't have any debate about it because if we do, then the emergency is so pressing and the danger is so great. And with the Russians at our door, we can't really talk about these matters publicly at all. Anyway, I think you've answered the question. No, you're, no, you're like absolutely you right, Alex. That's, that, that is, this is, well, you know, again, I, I you know, I put on my evil, my, my I put on my Sith robe and mm -hmm. I, I start thinking like Emperor Palpatine and I go, well, how would I do this? Like, like this. And, and, you know, it's, that's what I, you know, and the thing about these people is that they tell you what they're going to do. They've written all the unreadable white papers imaginable to explain all this. When they go to conferences where they don't think they're being filmed, they talk about this stuff openly. It's not like it's, 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 it's this is not, this really isn't even a conspiracy. It's just a matter of, well, you know, it's just not reported on by the, the media. What I find really interesting is that I don't know, um, I don't know how the telegraph maps politically within the UK. Like I know that the the WAPO, that the Washington Post works for the CIA, and the 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 New York Times works for the DNC. And, and I know the I know the map here in the United States. I don't know how the British papers play out. I find it really interesting that he was allowed to write that article explaining all this in England at this moment in time because the English are getting squeezed out of NATO. Because let's bring now NATO into all of this because NATO is very, the future of NATO is very important. Who got floated this week as the replacement for Stoltenberg as general secretary of NATO? The soon to be deposed ex, um, um, Dutch prime minister, Mark Rutte. Who is Mark Rutte? He's literally one of the, the, the he's like the Tony Blair of the Netherlands. He's an important cog in this globalist thing, machine to get these things done. So he's going to leave, you know, they can't hold Peter Wilders out of office for forever. They'll pass every terrible law imaginable on their way out the door. Then they'll leave him with the cleanup job and then they'll blame him for everything that goes wrong in the Netherlands because they saddled him with a whole bunch of poison pills. Meanwhile, Ruta goes to NATO and that's telling you that the European Union is making a bid for the power structure of NATO. After Joe Biden last year put the kibosh on former defense minister of the UK, Ben Wallace, to take over for Stoltenberg. And knowing that Biden is a proxy for Obama and Obama is the American version of Tony Blair and Mark Rutte, and, it all tracks. They're moving NATO this way. And it's and it's why everybody went to Munich and said the same thing over and over again our sacred on duty to nato nato is eternal we have to do blah, blah 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 it was all about nato and because nato is the means by which to justify as you pointed out alex that we have boogeymen out there we need to be protected from and we need to rearm and again but these arms that they want to rearm with aren't being going to be pointed at russia they're going to be pointed at the european people that's the point of all this. So that Germans police Spanish and Spanish police Dutch and Dutch police Italians and Italians police Germans because the French would never allow the Italians to police them. Um, then we get into like the, the, the Treaty of Kiernal that was signed that allows French troops on the, on the, onto the Italian 
soil and like, there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes folks this is exactly what they're mm -hmm. trying to do and they're and they're doing the same thing here in the united states by leaving the border open they're doing the, they're, they're gonna they're gonna mm -hmm. put all these men that are coming across the border they're gonna move them into the military oh. and then they're gonna use the, yeah. the military then they expect to be able to use the military in the united states as a kind of national police force and turn the whole country and turn the whole thing into a john carpenter movie i'm like it's not gonna i got news for you we had 800 million guns that ain't happening but I don't know what you guys are going to do. I love what I'm seeing out of the French, uh, like the German farmers, right? Uh, I, and I saw just before I came on this morning, we, I saw a video of a massive protest in Bayern, in Germany, of people screaming, it's time for you to go, just leave. Just leave. And that's exactly the right message, by the way. It's not, we're going to string you up and you know feed you to dogs or you know guillotine you, just leave. We're done with you. We don't want you around anymore. Um, and I hope mm -hmm. that, that that I hope that that brush fire that's that's forming in Europe catches fire in a way that is one nonviolent two you know and two substantive in order to stop what's happening mm -hmm. uh, that's what I'm hoping for well and we'll see what we'll see what happens by the way by the way I I think I can say that we both agree with you about the EU army and um, I mean it's it's very interesting again that we see uh, uh, some people in Europe are talking up. The European army um, using again the threat from Russia to justify accelerating yeah. its creation. And of course, we had Macron, who's a committed European, trying to mm -hmm. get uh, talking about sending troops to Ukraine. But of course, what he's he's a general along has been to create an EU army. And uh, you mentioned Mark Rutte. Of course, he is more than anything else, he has been a pillar of the European Union for. Yes. A long, long time. I mean, he's yes. somebody who's more thought of as a person within the European Union, actually, up to now, up to recently, than as a key figure within NATO. So that's all very, mm -hmm. all very, very interesting. Um, I, I should say quickly that I'm unfortunately more sceptical than you that all this bushfire is going to change anything because I mean, the one thing that they don't, they're not talking about, by the way, is central election elections for the central european institutions nobody mm -hmm. so far is proposing that why is the united states doing this why is the fed taking this approach why have they done this why have they raised interest rates so high why did they not bring down interest rates more when it seemed like inflation was falling lots of people are asking that question you read it every day in the european media by the way so why um, did they why did they not do what the Europeans wanted them to do? Um, well, this is the this is the core of what I've been saying for a couple of years. And I, you know, I know that when I first yeah. presented this, everybody was skeptical of this. But the reality is that when you start to think about what their agenda is for how they're going to replace the current unworkable monetary situation in Europe that we've gone over, they have to replace it with a centralized digital euro. I can even bring Apple into this, which is why the EU wants the ability to sideload apps onto the onto the iPhone. It's because they want to install their surveillance software and, uh, directly and, and on the backside. I firmly believe that that's what this is that that's what that story is about. Um, I, I'm getting to why. So my my argument has been from the beginning. When you when you think about this, we have a two tiered monetary system. We have central banks issue money to 
to make loans to commercial banks at a lower rate and then the low and then the commercial banks make loans to the general economy and it's a two it's a two cycle monetary system so there's money that flows between the commercial banks and the central bank and then there's money that flows between the economy and the commercial banks well a central bank digital currency a digital euro collapses that and we don't no longer need the we no longer need the commercial banks so my fundamental thesis from the beginning when i took one look at that i said yeah, I don't buy that the American commercial banking system is going to go along with this. They're the most powerful commercial banks in the world. They and they they have been for decades now. And I just don't see Jamie Dimon and John Solomon and the rest of them going along with this. I just don't see it. Like the American empire, for lack of a better term, was built through commercial banking. Okay. The American engine of growth of the of the 19th century was built because we had a mostly free banking industry. Which was then, then you know, subverted over time with the formation of the Federal Reserve and then the consolidation of the American government and blah 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 and everything post 1913. As that's you know, but you go before that and you look at at that. I've been arguing for years, and Murray Rothbard wrote, uh, I think, still the the best um, book on this, which is you know that and effectively saying that the history of banking in the United States is the history of the United States, and so. Why would the Fed do this? Well, to, to preserve itself and the commercial banking interests that it represents and who are the shareholders of the Federal Reserve. Like it doesn't, it, the, the, it's not more complicated than that. You have a bunch of committed globalists who, are, who believe fundamentally that we need to get rid of commercial banking and do away with the private formation of capital through the commercial banking process. And we have commercial bankers who, don't believe in that. So we can either have public formation of capital with controlled interest rates and 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 fully um, and and fully locked down markets that are based on a social credit system, access to capital, social credit, as opposed to the as opposed to investment risk and economic desires of which comes directly from the economic desires of the the people that make up the economy, and that's what the commercial banking sector ultimately that's who they ultimately serve. That's whom they ultimately work for, right? And it's their job to accurately assess the risk of the things that stupid things that we want to make businesses, make into businesses. And they then put an interest rate on it, on that loan. And they're supposed to do that. And we've completely short-circuited that process, both with the centrality of central banks setting interest rate policy and risk profiles and, and pushing interest rates globally to the zero bound over the last hundred years. Um, and the reversal, this is, we, once you hit the zero bound, like the natural snapback is to go in the opposite direction. And the commercial banks are like, yeah, we're not committing Harikiri. We're not committing ritualistic suicide for a bunch of, frankly, European communists. We're not doing it. And, you know, you just put it in like those bold terms, because that's the way I see it happening at, you know, the cigar bar on the Upper East Side. Be when these guys all get together and they turn, they put their phones, you know, at the at, at the coat check, and they go into the and they go into the into the room where that's been swept, and they all sit around and you know have their talk. This is what they do. Like, could you can you see that? I can't see it any other way. Even if there was, and they were willing to go along with it for years when they were making money off of it, and they had no other opportunity to do anything otherwise. Like, you know, they're not. I don't see any of these people as anything other than sociopaths in, in, in operating in their own best self-interest. 
they are operating on enlightened mm -hmm. self-interest, right? That's mm -hmm. it. But that makes sense to me. And so for right now, they're pushing back against this. Mm -hmm. And I think they also have tremendous political power here in the U.S. And they have the ability mm -hmm. to communicate to other world leaders and to other world business leaders what's going on. And then our goal now is to watch inferentially, read the tea leaves of all the things that are happening to see if we're if that thesis plays out with inferential data. Because you'll never get the you'll never get Jamie Dimon to stand up on CNBC and go, yeah, we're trying to bankrupt the ECB. He's never going to say that. <laughs> but you have to watch for this policy that may support that. And then you go, oh yeah. And and then you get Powell come out and go, yeah, we're going to stay at five and a half percent. So they did it in order to protect themselves and in order for the Fed to get to regain control of, over monetary policy by collapsing the offshore levered up what's known as euro dollar system, which is another, you know, 15 minute rant on my on my part in order to explain the, the mechanisms of that. But once you once you see it that way. It, it's really hard to not see it that way. And and the day that I, I, I hear, I see data points that contradict that, I will be happy to come on the, the program and go, nope, well, I was wrong. And that'll be the end of it. But I don't, but so far, I don't see that. What I'm seeing actually is that politically downstream of all this, we're seeing exactly what we should be seeing if this were the case, which is we're, start, we're seeing um, congressional Republicans stand up, depose a globalist speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, put Mike Johnson in power, stand up to the Biden administration, say no more, no mas, no more, um, no more funding for Ukraine without stopping the border. No more this, no more that. Yeah, and he's trying to do his best to slow things down. And then the old guard, the Chuck Schumers, the Mitch McConnells, the Mitt Romneys and whatnot are continuing to try and push this down the road. Janet Yellen came out yesterday and said, we should seize all of Rush the Russian foreign exchange reserves and hand them to Ukraine. That would destroy the United States as we currently know it as a as a financial mm -hmm. super center why would yellen do that she knows what that would do she'd take 40 billion dollars mm -hmm. and hand of russian foreign exchange reserves and hand it to ukraine and then the tens of trillions of dollars in global trade that are done in the do in, in the dollar and with u.s banks would then immediately that money like you're a you're a turkish you know you're a turkish symbol salesman and you sell me so you know some new 15 inch crashes for my drum set Right. And I and then you deposit that money you, the, that I pay for those symbols in an American bank. What's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to take that money. He's going to move it out into a different currency and get it out of the American bank because the Americans may seize that money tomorrow because Erdogan said, you know, didn't toe the line. Like it destroys the American superpower, which is the the the, the validity of you can do business in the dollar and, you know, your money is safe. Like, so she effectively wants to default on bonds, which we've never done. And she wants to destroy the ability of, she wants to destroy the, 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 the security of doing business in dollars. And this is the American treasury secretary. And people tell me she's not a traitor. She's either that, or she's just dumb. And I don't think Johnny Ellen's an idiot. I think she's not smart, but I don't think she's an idiot. So like, this is what's happening. I mean, anybody talking about this in the United States is clearly a traitor. And clearly working for foreign interests. I pick your pick your poison as to which foreign interest they work for. I don't care. But as far as I'm concerned, it, it, it makes no sense otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is because we're, I mean the the whole business of the Russian assets has been obviously a, a, a big topic. But can, can we just go back to the United States? Sure. I mean, from what you say, that the Biden administration 
for its part, is not signed up to this policy of the Fed at all. Is that uh -huh. why they are so resistant to it? And is that yeah. why also they are uh, because putting down their foot on the fiscal accelerator to the extent that they are? Is mm -hmm. it that they're trying to mitigate what the Fed is doing? Yes, they they are spend they are trying to spend as much as humanly possible in order to blackmail the Fed into lowering rates. This is why Janet Yellen issued eighty three percent of the debt that she issued in 2023 was of one year maturity or less in order for all of that debt to be rolled over. Oh, pretty much next month in order to try and blackmail the fed into roll into going lower so that she can reissue that debt at lower rates. It's again, it's, it, it's all part and parcel of the same strategy and Powell's like, Nope, sorry, you're going to have to deal with higher, interest rate payments and you know and to my financial brethren out there that are calling out the deteriorating fiscal situation in the united states you're right we can't afford to pay for 34 trillion dollars in debt at five and a half percent i agree so with current spending but i also know that you could cut spending in the united states back to 2018 levels and it would change the dynamic completely and the market in general would look at that incredibly favorably. It wouldn't solve the United States' problems, but it would signal, oh, you're serious about this. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll put our money here as opposed to Europe. And then that's when uh, the day that happens, the day they actually get any spending cuts through of any significance, and I mean real spending cuts. I don't mean slowing the growth of spending as was, as was the previous plan. Here's our current budget and we were going to grow i don't know the health and human services by five percent it was only cut them by we'll only raise it by two percent a year and so we've cut spending by three percent that's what they do normally that's how they sell this nonsense no give me 500 billion dollars worth of actual spending cuts where next year's budget is 500 billion dollars smaller than last year's budget you do that and you'll see trillions of dollars flow into the united states the euro will drop from a dollar eight to 90 cents overnight and that's why chuck schumer won't budge on any of this stuff that's why mitch mcconnell won't budge on any of this stuff it's why nikki haley is still in the presidential race this is all an operation to try and get through they will run this out all the way to november nothing is going to change in the united states politically until november for this reason and then the question is okay are the forces that I'm talking about, are they powerful enough to actually get Trump across the finish line and into the Oval Office by January 2025? That's the outstanding question on all of this. If I'm right about all of this, watch Trump and all of the lawsuits and all the other things that are going around him. Because if so, if they if all that st stuff keeps falling and we get through each of these like major steps, the, the primary Super Tuesday, uh, the next Fed meeting, the GOP convention, all of these stupid lawsuits that are pending against Trump. We actually get to the election and Trump wins and they don't kill him between then and now. And Nikki Haley is not his running mate, which is clearly why she's running. Still in the race. Then we may be looking at a much different world in 2025. Do I put high yeah. probability on any of this happening? I think it's going to be worse than I, I think we're going to be treated to the worst version of this show that we could possibly imagine. But I'm giving you what the path looks like to get to the end game, what the game, how bloody the game is between now and then. 
I'm I'm expecting bad. I'm expecting very bloody, and I'm expecting false flags to try and upgrade Ukraine. I'm expecting more, you know, histrionics and and, and whatnot out of Israel and the Middle East. Like, you know, I'm I'm expecting it all. And um, I mean, last you know, month for the newsletter, for last month for the newsletter, just to give you guys an idea, the title of the newsletter was "Demoralized Nation," and the title of my first, my lead article was "Will We Be Spared Nothing?" And my conclusion was that they're going to run Hillary versus Haley. In the end, can you imagine? Like, what would be more demoralizing for the for for Americans than having to choose between Nikki Haley and Hillary Clinton? I mean, I hope I'm. You wrong. know, Tom, you haven't had. You have a habit. You have a habit of anticipating my questions because I was actually going to ask you a question mm -hmm. about the U the U.S. election and where Trump fits into all of this. Yeah. Well, as I said, you to a great extent already asked it, but right. here's the last question I'm going to put: Is this really sure. why? Is this the real reason the Europeans are so terrified of Trump winning the election? That they're not really worried about NATO because nobody really thinks that Nut Trump is going to walk away from NATO. Is that they lose a friend in Washington who is trying to counter what the Fed is doing? <laughs> is is that really what is uh, unnerving the Europeans at this moment? It, it, it is. More I think. I, I think. It's, I think that's. I think that's. Are, I think that's. I was going to say, Alex. I think that's slightly the wrong frame, but the, in essence, you're correct. Right. What I think is. Biden was selected and put in power for the to do exactly what he's done. And he has failed at every major turn in terms of getting the fiscal stuff through that needed to get through build back better and the infrastructure bill and all that stuff was supposed to saddle the Fed with six to eight trillion dollars worth of spending over the over the next two years up until this election that would have forced the Fed back to zero the zero bound because the Fed would have been forced to monetize all this debt. Go back to QE and the zero bound. Powell is is like no, we're taking QE and, and 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 zero bound rates out of our vocabulary. Like get that through your head, you know. And um, I, I think the I think that Trump doesn't understand this, and if he does understand it, he's playing dumb. I think that he hasn't quite had the talk yet from the Wall Street guys that this is the plan, and we're going to cut rates after you're in after you're elected, and you're going to be able to ride herd over the the first six to nine months of your of your presidency you're going to be dealing with an expansion where rates are now in the fours and that's going to be good for you but we need to hold this at five and a half because we need to bankrupt we need to put europe back under our thumb for lack of a better term hate this hate to put it in those terms but I, I, but that's what i that's the way i see it and and we need to put them back in the box and we need to break Europe. And Europe is trying to break us before they break before we break them. It's a race. And they're racing to the election day. Mm -hmm. Tom, one very last comment from me, not a question. I mean, Trump mm. doesn't like the Europeans. And Jamie Dimon has recently said some nice things about him. And of mm. course, Trump will know these Wall Street bankers. It's the kind of people he probably does know. That's my mm -hmm. guess anyway. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to finish the... here. I, I, yeah. Oh, I was going to say about Diamond. Diamond, remember when Diamond first came out and, and backed Nikki Haley, the mm -hmm. everybody got it wrong, including myself. What Diamond was saying to his to his who lean left and generally vote Democrat Wall Street brethren, it's okay to vote for to back a Republican. Now he shifted towards Trump because the the because you know Haley is clearly not 
um, running as a Republican. She's running as a Democrat. And she's clearly got money coming in from Democrats and from Soros and other mm -hmm. and other sources. So that's uh, that's why I can see Diamond and I can see that alliance, not alliance, but I can see them moving back towards each other. And eventually, I think there's going to be an, a very nice conversation between them at Mar-a-Lago with the phones off. And, you know, then Trump is going to you know run the Trump show from here on out. And then it'll be interesting to watch to see how that plays. That's that, that'll be my final comment on that. Go ahead. Dom, I, I know you're up against the clock a bit. I, I've, I've finished my questions and I okay. wanted to say thank you for this incredibly illuminating discussion. Um, Alex, maybe you've got one or two things to ask. Sure. Yeah, Tom, if you have uh, five minutes, maybe answer oh, yeah, a yeah, couple yeah, of yeah, questions absolutely. directed uh, towards you. And then Alexander will uh, will answer the rest of the, the questions that came sure. in. Um, Tom, what about the Bradbury Pound? Two questions, the Bradbury Pound. No idea. I, I, that's the first time I've ever heard that term. I, I, I know I hate to be, I hate to, I, you know, I, you know how much I hate not answering a question, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know it either. But yeah, it's. I don't know. Do I? No, do I? You don't know it either, Alexander. Okay. No. Uh, Zariel asks Tom, why are all the big deals selling all their stocks on Wall Street, oh. like Diamond, Rothschilds, etc.? Okay, uh, I'm going to start with Diamond because Diamond is easy. Um, at the end of last year, Jamie Dimon put forth his succession plan for when he's no longer CEO of JP Morgan. Um, interestingly enough, in that succession plan, the snake in JP Morgan's garden, Mary Erdos, who's the one that actually handled all of Epstein's accounts at JP Morgan, by the way, um, was not part of that succession plan in that I could see. Um, she was also on his arm at Davos this year because I think that's a keep your friends close and your enemies closer kind of thing that she couldn't be running off to cut it back room deals around him. Um, I think Diamond is getting set up to, to step down as head of JP Morgan. You remember he had that AOT section a few years ago. He's old. It's time for him to move on. So he cashes out $146 million with the stock. He needs cash. Everybody else, that's a signal to me that, oh, we need to top tick the market and get out of here because we're going to get, we're, we're not going to have anything because this is all going to collapse on us. Facebook and Google and all the, I, I, that I read that as the rats leaving the sinking, the, the globalist sinking ship. I'm telling you, I, the more I read the tea leaves, the more I really do believe that this is what winning looks like, but it's really hard for us to feel like it's winning because the people that we're fighting against will never break character. Going back to Giannis Varoufakis and the Swedish national anthem thing, when he was Greek prime minister, you know, you, present all this stuff to the European commission and they go, Oh, that's nice. And they look at you like they just, you just sung the Swedish national anthem at them. And then they go back to doing whatever they were going to do. They'll never break character. Um, and you know, the hours late, Sauron's forces are already moving, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, it's going to be a very, very difficult fight to claw our way out of the situation that we're in. They have, you know, it's late, fourth quarter you're down by 10 you got four minutes on the clock you know that kind of moment that we're in but i think but we're only down by 10 we're not down by four touchdowns like we were at halftime like that's where i think we kind of are right um and that's why i see clearly see that these guys and that's that's one of those signposts if they're cashing out with markets at, at, at this moment yeah then that may be that may be a way to read that i'm not i'm not saying it's the only way to read it but it's it's clearly one of them Okay. Commander Crossfire says, with the loss of Russian resources, cheap Middle Eastern oil and free minerals and labor from Africa, 
A consolidation of Europe may be the only solution to hold the ruling establishment together. Yep. Yeah. And they're going to, I think, honestly, here's the thing. I think their European project is more important to them than tyrannizing Russia and subjugating Russia. I think for other forces that are, that's a different story for the anglo-american sphere it's far different from the trotskyites that are the the neocon conservatives they want to subjugate russia that this is an existential thing and a and a psychological and ideological thing for them i think the european union folks whatever you want to call them the eurocrats they're ideologically committed to the european union and they are more than happy to cut a deal with russia in the short term and oil imports from Russia in 2023, well, statistics give you that number, right? That they that the Europeans bought more oil from Russia in 2023 than they did in 2022. Guess what? They're gonna do. They're gonna buy a lot more in 2024. Um, they'll just break the sanctions. They don't care. Um, that's more important to them. But because it's more important to them, you know, they'll try and deal with Russia down the, and China down the line, and if necessary, cut a deal with them. Because what are they gonna do otherwise? I think they're more committed to destroying the United States than they are committed to destroying Russia that's i think the the split because the united states represents something legally and um and structurally that is anathema to their plans right, right. our federalism our rule of law the constitution sub nominally that the constitution puts the people sovereign over the government all those i those ideas we can reclaim all those things from the corruption that exists in the United States today. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but we can do it, right? Those ideas are still are still buried deeply within the American psyche, and they can come out again. Again, some stuff that you and I, Alex, used to talk about three, four, five years ago, right? Uh, about why the United States is different, um, and I think that's why they're they're th that's why they're so focused on. They can't Europe can't survive with the United States in its current form. There's no way. The United States is too powerful. They have to bring it. They have to bring us down. And so they either get us involved in a world war that we can't afford to fight, or they bind us down with political traitors that, you know, hollow the country out from within, invade it through the border, yada, yada, yada. That's clearly the plan. All right. Two, two more questions or mm -hmm. one question and one comment from seven. Uh, South Florida would break away from independent Florida to form the Republic of Miami in a heartbeat. I saw this question earlier and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of funny, but uh, we, we're, we're okay with coming along with you up here in North Florida. It's okay. The Sunshine Report, Public of Florida, we can, we can, we can, you know, post guards at the border on I-75 and, and I-95. We're good. We know what to do. We're, All right. we're, one, we're, we, we have more guns up here, guys. We know how to, <laughs> and we know how to use them. Trust me. All right. One final question and we will let sure. you go. Tom from uh, Rune says, the West is built on financial ivory towers. It must end by necessity at some point as you can eat digits on a screen. Will BRICS be in time with a viable system to save us? Save? I don't know that that's, a, that's the right frame for that. But are the BRICS forming um, an institution, a series of institutions that can um, protect themselves from the self-immolation of what's going on in the West? Yes. And maybe that's the best we can hope for in the next 10 years. You know, a node of just look for nodes of stability, folks. And and I'm and I when I mean and all of this, everything we talked about today is fractal in nature, right? From the BRICS versus the West to you versus your county commission or your local city council or whatever, your local town council. 
It's all the same process. Be nodes of stability for the people around you. Start there and every and that's the easiest and best and most effective way to beat these people. And just by saying no and 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 trans and doing business locally and doing business outside of their purview. And and our it's the the phrase that's been that people have been using a lot recently is intentional communities. That's that's what the Duran is. That's what Gold Goats and Guns is. That's what these are all. We have virtual intentional communities. We we leverage them and their power out as best we can, and we do it here on a commentary per, uh, uh, basis on a daily basis in order to try and disseminate the information necessary for you to do it in the real world in meat space. So we do it out here in Flatland, and then we take those ideas and those lessons, and we should be applying them in the real world in, meat, in what I like to call meat space. And we do that. We, we have all of the political power in the world, every freaking bit of it. And I, 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 you know, I, I have a fundamental belief that humanity is far more resilient than we give it credit, than we want to give it credit for on the, on our worst days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, you know, it's going to be easy or it's going to be fun or, but you know, Alex now has three young children. I've got a daughter that's graduating high school this year. Like this is, these are the, this is what drive. I know this is what drives us and it should drive you. Let's make this, let's, let's, let's just, these people are just silly. And at the end of the day, we can just sit there and go, yeah, that's nice, but we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So let's just do that. Fantastic way to uh, end the show with Tom Lungwo. I have all of your information in the description box down below. And I will also have it as a pinned comment as well. So definitely follow Tom. Uh, check out his his amazing uh, articles and his analysis. And Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you guys and all the best. And uh, we'll do this again soon if we can. And I'll drop yeah. off now. We'll, 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 we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Take care, Tom. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Tom. Take care. Bye. All right, Alexander. Great. Uh, wow. Great stuff. I'm I'm kind of rooting for the bankers in the U.S. now. <laughs> what a wild Jamie, world! Jamie Diamond, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie Diamond. Quite. <laughs> I never imagined him. As the a world good is guy. very strange. The world <laughs> is a good guy. The world is the world is certainly a strange place in some ways. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, a fantastic show. All right, uh, let's uh, answer the questions that we have left, Alexander, and we will uh, sign off for yeah. the day. Uh, Valley S, thank you for that super sticker. Robert, welcome to the Duran community. Elaine says, very happy to wait for the brilliant Duran. Thank you, Elaine. Robert says, my first live in a long time. So glad to be here on on the only places to find truth. Uh, Jonar Games, welcome to the Duran communities. I hear, thank you for that super chat. Klaus says, happy birthday, Gonzalo. Not forgotten. Yeah. Not well, forgotten at all. Brilliant, pe- brilliant piece about Gonzalo, by the way, in Mint Press, comparing the coverage his death got with uh, Navalny's yeah. and reminding everybody of the point made by Chomsky and Herman in their book, uh, um, was Constructing Consent, which is about worthy and unworthy victims, which is this concept that you know the media follows, that there's some people who deserve to be honoured and others who don't, and it's got nothing to do with how whether they're good people or not good people. It's got nothing to do with the way in which they've been killed. It's just purely 
how it fits in with the ideological framework that the media and the powers are following. It's a brilliant piece. I just highly recommend it. Yeah. Lana says, I finally caught uh, Duran live. Hello, Lana Zoltan. Thank you for Super Sticker. Lana also sent a Super Sticker. Uh, Moskva 1825 Alexander, do you believe that the SMO exposed Collective West's weakness emboldening countries in Africa and in Palestine to seek independence? Yes, it has. Uh, there's no question about it. I mean, it's created, it's exposed a huge amount of we weakness. And also, the, the opposite, of course, of the West's weakness is Russian strength, which uh, was completely unexpected. And um, if you were watching my program yesterday, I, I sort of got a bit emotional at one point. And I was talking all about this huge operation the CIA was running in Ukraine. And I said, what good did he do in the end? It didn't make the West stronger and it didn't make us better informed about Russia. <laughs> we didn't learn anything about Russia from it because we got the whole situation there completely wrong. And you're absolutely right. It has emboldened countries in the global south and you are seeing it every day or the global majority as i notice people are increasingly starting to refer to it they're starting to stand up and they're pushing back and i know that it's causing great uh, concern amongst people in washington and london especially the global majority you said that's the word the that global you used. Majority. Global that's, majority. That's, um, the, that's the word. That's that's yeah. the expression. I've st I've started to see it being used, and it's beginning to spread. I, I recommend everyone watch Alexander's video from yesterday, and um, mm -hmm. the end of your video. You read a tweet from David Sachs, which was a fantastic uh, oh, tweet. Tremendous. It's tremendous. I, I know I he watches said. us every now and then. I know he follows us, but that was a fantastic tweet. I. Was. I wish we could find it. I'm, I'm going to look for that tweet. And um, yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it it left me speechless. <laughs> and, you know, that doesn't happen very often, can I say? I mean, it really did. It said everything about the war in Ukraine in just a few words. Everything. It was all there. Everything. It was brilliant. Yeah, brilliant uh, tweet. Um, a, a good way for you to close uh, your video yesterday. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely watch Alexander's video and definitely uh, look for that tweet. Uh, Black Tie, thank you for that super sticker. Commando Crossfire says, Russia just held the games of the future, fitting for their outlook, looking to a new era while Europe reaches back to 1939 or 1984. <laughs> uh, have they actually been held yet? I think I thought they were I, just starting, but anyway. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe they were held. It looks like they were yeah. held. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I haven't been following that story yeah. too closely. Yeah. But, no, yeah. I haven't. I haven't, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I wish Stormy. them well, by the way. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Uh, Envy no, Stormin says, idea. "Good day and many thanks for all you do." Thank you very much. Robert McNamara says, "Is there any truth to the story that Ukraine intelligence tried to car bomb Tucker Carlson?" I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what the Ukrainian intelligence would do. I mean, if they did, they would they would have been absolutely idiots to do a thing like that. That's my own personal view. But then who knows? With someone like Budanov in charge, even, uh, you know, the New York Times article tells us that uh, he's an unpredictable and dangerous person. I mean, they might have done. But I, I mean, I haven't heard about it. And I, doubt, I doubt that they would do it, actually. Tisham says, happy birthday, Gonzalo. I miss you. 
Ralph says, let's please remember Aaron Bushnell and family. The video is on the new yeah. Atlas. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely Brian. haunting. Great video. Absolutely. It was really extraordinary thing. Very powerful statement. And again, by the way, complete radio silence about the whole story in the British media. I noticed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I uh, in the big mainstream newspapers, I didn't see any mention of it at all. Of course, everybody, lots of people in Britain know about it because people go to the internet, but the media here doesn't, doesn't really want to talk about it. Giuseppe, thank you for that super sticker. Uh, DW, welcome to the Duran community. Scott Elliott says, over under coup against Zelensky in a month. Zeluzhny takes over and withdraws to the Dnieper to defend blackmails West with uh, bioweapons, remember the labs, to enter a war to push Russia back. That's one possible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can all construct uh, a possible, uh, plausible, entirely plausible uh, um, ways that this ends. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, at the moment, all one can say is the Russians are pushing forward. Yeah. Tish M says justice for Gonzalo Lira. Yeah. Agreed. Tish M. Jeff, thank you for that super sticker. Joe Public says, what about the Bradbury Pound? A lot of questions about the Bradbury Pound. Yeah. I'm going to look that yes, up. Uh, yes. Envy so Storming. Yeah. Uh, welcome to, thank you for the Duran membership. Uh, Envy Storming. Alex Glanz, thank you for that super sticker. Omar says, how much has NATO been weakened after the Russian military operation and will it be able to recover? Wish you all the best. You know, actually, uh, since we get, we're talking about David Sachs's tweet, he talks about that. It's been significantly weakened. All right, they got Finland and Sweden into NATO. But if you're looking at the position the condition of nato armies which is already it's clear pretty fragile they're in a terrible state i mean they're having I, I, again i discussed this in my program yesterday the europeans are now having to scrounge around africa and the middle east looking for shells because they can't produce any and there aren't any in their inventories and the american inventories are so short that presumably they're not prepared to sell any to the europeans Hmm. Uh, Jane Spear, welcome to our community. Donald Spear, thank you for that super sticker. SHH906, uh, military coup a la Europe. Interesting. Uh, Evan Ritz, welcome to the drag the community. Complicated, complicated thing to happen, yeah. actually. Yeah. SHH906 says, Do you think BRICS plus could? throw a wrench in this plan the eu's plan what well, yeah. the if if everything that they want to do happens if they are successful if everything that they're trying to do then it will deepen the crisis and stagnation in europe so the BRICS are not there to help europeans they're not there to help europe they will capitalize on europe's stagnation and weakness and developing crisis and it is for us in europe eventually to sort this out we shouldn't look to outsiders to come to our rescue yeah i, I found the tweet is it uh, the war of lies the war in ukraine is based on lies that's lies right, about how it started right. how it's going that's, and how it will end yeah that's let me one. put that link that's, in that's the, the one in the chat yeah i found it okay um yes. evan ritz Welcome to the Duran community. Tatiana Carmichael, thank you for that super sticker. Robert, thank you for that super sticker. 
Elza says, guys, I have no idea what you were talking about, but I've learned that the Euro bonds are evil and the Duran community will save us. Thanks. <laughs> it is a technical subject, but it is pretty evil. Completely evil. It's also, if I can say, mad. And that's one of the problems. When things are mad, they're often difficult to explain. Sanity is simple. Madness is very complicated. Yeah. Uh, Tabernacle says monetary systems and ideologies change, but not war. Yeah, true enough. What said? And Nigel says, cheers, lads. Thank you, Nigel. Robert McNamara says, the story was on Next News. On uh, Aaron Bushnell, I, I imagine, is what... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. About. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, Tapato Matato says, is it worth even asking about the Russian elections? Have the Communist Party put forth their own candidate? What are the oh, races yeah. besides yeah, presidential? Well, I mean, the, the, it, it is a purely presidential election. Russia and has presidential and parliamentary elections at different times and local elections at different times also so the parliamentary elections are some way off and they always happen in the autumn and the local elections also tend to happen in the autumn the regional deep elections so this is purely presidential elections but absolutely the communists have indeed put up a candidate his name is a man called uh, ivan haritonov He's run for the presidency before for the Communist Party. He's a veteran uh, member of the party, so they'll be backing him. He was pre previous to joining the Communist Party, a member of an entirely different Russian party, the Agrarian Party, that got folded into the Communist Party. He's probably going to be the strongest candidate against Putin. But, you know... <laughs> Everybody, every single opinion poll, survey of opinion in Russia, they all are united in agreeing that Putin is going to win a landslide. About 80, 60 to 80 percent, somewhere in that massive range, but it's, it's going to be huge. Okay, Peace Right Now says Tom's great because he helps us to recognize those moments when we're winning. True, and mm -hmm. Undergen says... Onigen says, thank you for all your hard work, Duran team. I've followed your content nearly two years. I'm amazed at consistency and substantive content. Thank you for that. Thank you very and much. Thank you very much. And uh, we have one more. Alexander from Sophisticated Caveman. Not a fan of the America as a victim narrative. The country is collapsing in on itself because our people's excessive self-centeredness and ignorance, not Europe. Problems are far away elsewhere. I don't think he was exactly, Tom wasn't talking about it being a, a victim. What he was talking about was a power struggle, in effect, between the American financial community and the uh, European one. I think it's very, very careful not to, uh, um, you know, say this side is good and that side is bad. I think the difference was one side is bad and the other is worse. <laughs> that was basically exactly, uh, yeah. got, got his point. But he did say, he did say, and I think I think this is a fair point, that you know, there are things about America which Europe doesn't have. It's got its constitution, it's got its uh, history of you know democracy, which the European Union has nothing like that. It never has done. I mean, it's been an entirely constructed elite operation right from the right from the outset and you know there is perhaps more hope that one day 
the American the Americans themselves can find a way out uh, and you know get their democracy back. I think that is what he did say, but he wasn't saying that you know these people in Wall Street are victims. He wasn't talking about them in that in those terms in any kind of way. All right. Elsa says all people working in the German industry tell that their biggest problem is to find qualified workers and Rheinmetall pretends to start production in Ukraine where the situation is even worse. Well, absolutely. I mean, the whole situation in Germany is terrible. Well, I mean, I'm not going to start about uh, um, Ukraine, but uh, just the other day, I'm sure lots of people have heard it. Mila, the people who make all that kitchen equipment, you know, an absolutely rock solid Mittelstand company, one of the great flagship family businesses of Germany is relocating production out of Germany. I, I, I've even been told the Porsche is doing the same. I haven't, I'm not sure about Porsche, but Miele definitely is. And that is a shock. I mean, people in Germany are stunned and it's a sign of the speed now with which deindustrialization is happening. Yeah. All right. Two more that came in and we're signing out. Alexander from Tabernak. It's harder to submit an opponent than to defeat him. And um, I I can't read the name on this one, but it says David Sachs is awful when he's talking about China. He wants Taiwan to be close to the West, just like Ukraine. He should know better. Well, he he wrote, I think, one of the greatest things ever about Ukraine. And on Ukraine, he's Mm -hmm. been an absolute voice of courage and sanity. And heavens knows we need lots of those. Yeah. All right. We will end it there. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this live stream. Thank you to uh, Tom Lungo. Once again, I have all his information in the description box. It will be as a pinned comment as well when uh, we end this stream. Alexander, any final thoughts? And we'll sign out. This is a most interesting situation. But um, I I really do wonder what the EU is going to do. Um, I, I think there is panic growing there. I don't, I, at one point, I don't agree with uh, uh, with Tom. I think they're absolutely terrified of Russia, actually. And I don't think they want to cut a deal. But they're also very frightened about what is going on in the US and the possibility that they're as much afraid for the EU, more afraid for the EU than they are for NATO, I think is a real one. So lots to, lots to uh, uh, think about with this. And we will see whether or not this Eurobond project takes off, and if so, when, and what comes of it. Yeah. All right. Thank you to our moderators, Valies, Reckless Abandon, Tish M, Peter, Zarael, and I think that's everyone that was moderating today. Thank you very much, moderators, for everything that you do. I think I got everybody. And thank you to everyone that that was watching us on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and our amazing community on Locals, the Duran.locals.com. Take care, everyone.